is Dino Dan from Cypress, California, and you're watching the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital and social distancing capital of the North Coast. I screwed that up again the second week in a row. I tried real hard. I'm your program host, Greg Rippy. Happy to have you aboard. If this is the week you are pent up enough to lob a phone call into the show or you want to email the show and weigh in that way, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening coming up in about 12 to 13 minutes from now. It's the first Tuesday of a new month, and we are in it, right? We're uh, knee-deep in May, and that means a visit from the creator of How to Barbecue Right, Malcolm Reed, will be joining us shortly plenty to talk about Malcolm with, not the least of which is Malcolm, aside from being a YouTube Mave, at heart, he is a competitor's competitor, and May is synonymous with Memphis. Put them together, you have Memphis and May, except there's no Memphis and May at the moment. That has been postponed. Competitions for months now have been postponed, so we'll talk to Malcolm about how he has been navigating through the non-competition waters, obviously uh, probably trapped at home like he was last month, but that could also lead to pumping out content. So there's recipes that we're going to be talking about as well, and that's Malcolm Reed coming up in about 12 minutes from now. Then we will move to 35 past the hour, and I will retain the services of what many consider to be the most prolific competition cook to ever grace the competition stage. It's probably been over a year since he's been on this show he is the pitmaster of Iowa Smoky D's, also the owner of Smoky D's restaurant out there in Iowa. Darren Worth will be joining us to close out the first hour. So looking forward to catching up with Darren. Then we'll move into the second hour. Now, we do have a normal first Tuesday of the month guest in the second hour. But before we get to him, We are going to do it. We're going to get back into the results portion of the American Idol Barbecue Central Show edition. You would recall last week that we sang our hearts out. Myself, Doug Scheiding, Texas Embedded Correspondent, and Jeff Rice, or Ricer, the Wisconsin Embedded Correspondent, 
Doug sang the 80s smash hit Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. Jeff Rice sang uh, maybe late to mid-70s smash hit In the Ghetto by Elvis. And I closed out the show by singing late 80s smash hit Terrence Trent Darby's Wishing Well. The votes have been tallied. And at the top of the second hour, I will tell you who is being booted off the show. And that will leave only the final two. Those final two in this month, in about three weeks' time, will be singing a recorded duet, if you can believe that. Notwithstanding that, in the finals, each finalist will be singing live on the show. It will not be pre-recorded anymore. (laughs) There will be live singing on the show. Sure to crash the internet as long as the day is. No doubt about it. So that's the top of the second hour, the American Idol Barbecue Central Show results show. The expert judges will be in for that to final weigh in on that whole portion and then get their reaction to see whoever's booted out. Then we will go to the other first Tuesday of the month guest, Sam the Cooking Guy, thecookingguy.com. And we got plenty to catch up with Sam. He's into a lot of different stuff, restaurants, YouTube videos, and all that, so... There is your 120 minutes or so. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. You can also call 216-220-0966. Follow me socially at BBQ Central Show, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and Snappy Snap. You can also get me slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook, where there is also a live video feed. A few weeks ago, I got this email. James from Idaho. Greg, I'm listening to the replay here at work. You did not just explain how to use the podcast app on your phone to people, did you? I did. Love the show. Never listen live. Would rather pass the time at work this way, listening to the podcast. Well, James in Idaho, thank you for listening, number one. And I don't care how you consume the show. If you've never listened to the show live, I say try once in your life to do it. Much like a big bucket list event. This should be near the top of your barbecue bucket list. Listening to the show live. I know the vast majority of you do it on podcast, which again is fine, but live is so much more fun. I mean, you don't know. Something could happen to Malcolm's internet connection or my internet connection in the next six minutes and the whole segment blows up and who knows how it's going to be handled. That's the fun and frivolity of live stuff. I mean, podcast, that's great too. But live is so much more dangerous and exciting. And we're very courageous here on this show. I don't know if you knew that or not, but we're very courageous. Then I also got this email. Greg, should you boil chicken thighs before grilling? Look, whoever wrote this email, uh, you know the answer, right? Is this one of those rhetorical questions? I'll go on. History behind the question. Went to my neighbors for dinner and found out they were boiling chicken before grilling. And I said, while trying not to be rude, why are you doing that? And the neighbor said, I'm boiling because it keeps the chicken moist. I ate the chicken. It was dry, but said it was good. Again, to be polite, I feel I have to say something. And I need your help to teach the proper way of stopping the boiling of meat. Her name is Shannon. If you want to address her formally in your answer. Thank you, big fan, Buzz Sawyer. Buzz, I think you want me to address Shannon, so I will do it right now. Shannon, 
Is this thing on? Shannon, my pal Buzz dropped me a line, and he didn't have the balls to sit there and tell you that your chicken si- chicken thighs sucked, and he was being really nice and telling you that they were okay. Wink, wink. His biggest issue with your crappy chicken thighs is the fact that you boiled them first. Which leads me to another question. Are you somehow related to my in-laws? My in-laws have patented what I call the triple cook method, which is two-thirds of what you're listing, except you're missing the biggest point, Shannon. You parboil first, but when my in-laws parboil, the chicken's already cooked. I mean, it looks like crap, but it's already cooked. Then it goes from the water to the grill to get that grill flavor and where they slap on that craft barbecue sauce and burn it on. And then it comes off the grill and goes into the microwave just to make sure that it's done. The triple cook method. So, Buzz, while you're worried about your homegirl, Shannon, doing the worst things possible to chicken, And I'm not even going to argue that you're being a bad neighbor. I mean, certainly there's better ways of going about being a little bit more subtle. Like, hey, Shannon, even though your chicken is some of the worst shit I've ever eaten in my life, I want to turn you on to a couple YouTube channels like my friend Malcolm Reed, or maybe you should listen to this Barbecue Central Show podcast, and they might give you a little bit more of a concept on how to take your chicken game to the next level. So the next time you have me over, I'm not writing in to this bag host and having him bash you on his internet radio show. That's probably a better idea, Buzz. But sometimes direct is better. If she is staunch in her ways, if she truly believes that parboiling the food is keeping it moist, that's going to be a hard habit to break. I would venture a guess, Buzz, that Shannon is also the person that likes her steak well done. These are very hard things to break. Very hard things to break. Trust me. I'm from uh, an in-law family that loved well-done steak, that loved absolutely hammered chicken. For safety purposes, they were worried about that stuff. But we don't have to worry about that. And by the way, when you parboil anything, you're taking the fat right out of it. You're taking all the flavor out. We'll talk to Malcolm about parboiling. See what his thoughts are. Don't just take it from me, some snot-nosed punk who doesn't know what he's talking about and just jabbers into a highly expensive microphone. We'll talk to the pros coming up in just a few minutes. Before we get to Malcolm... Let me talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Established in 1882, Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family going on three generations now, if you can believe. Famous for the original beef sausage. It's coarse ground in a natural pork casing. And they're also known for the authentic Central Texas barbecue. All meats, including the prime briskets, slow-smoked, for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note and mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. Those meats are processed in that on-site USDA inspected facility. 
Now, they have two restaurants as well. So if you want to eat, if you just don't want to buy, if you want to eat, actually, I believe it's three restaurants now. Elgin, Texas since 1882, Drop since 2014, and I believe recently in, is it San Antonio now? Maybe it's Austin. I'll have to double check. At least two. I know there's a third one too, by the way. Grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states as well. 10% off coupon code when you're ordering online. At checkout, use code BBQ Central. That's BBQ C E N T R A L, all one word and lowercase. BBQ Central gets you 10% off your entire online order. Once again, that website is southsidemarket.com. All right, we are back with Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right and the Pitmaster of Killer Hogs competition team. Stick around, we'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue. Bakers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. By the way, if you were wondering where the latest Butcher Barbecue podcast was, I believe it's out now, but Dave's computer was struck by lightning. So he actually had to get a new computer. Luckily... He was backing up all of his inventory of interviews, so those are okay, but he had to wait for the new machine to get there before he could get it reset up and then get that latest podcast up, and I believe it is in his feed now, so if you're a fan of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, and who isn't, go ahead and check it out here after this show airs. All right, joining me now is the first, first Tuesday of the month regular guest, the pitmaster of Killer Hogs Barbecue, none other then friend of the show, Malcolm Reed. Hey, Malcolm, how are you? Man, I'm doing great, Greg. What's happening, man? Well, I am ready to rock and roll. We're into May now and uh, well into the second quarter of the year. It seems you know, so crazy when we were talking originally about uh, coronavirus. It was mid-March. Now we're really moving on to mid-May. I mean, time is flat. For as much as time is literally standing still because you can go nowhere, Time continues to fly by, even though we're really not allowed to do too much. Or maybe that's just me because I'm busy prepping for the show and you know doing some other stuff, a little bonus content. How do you feel it's going over these months? Well, you know, I mean, when we look back at it, what's seven or eight weeks is I've, I've been quarantined here at the house since mid-March, and it's a uh, you know it's been a blur for us because we have been just cranking out uh, cooking videos and. And, you know, it seems like it's like Groundhog Day. Every day you get up and you just repeat the same thing. But time's flying by. We're into May already. I should be getting ready to load in at Memphis in May this weekend. But, you know, here I am just, you know, 
doing another video. All right, so as a competition guy, Malcolm, as I had said in the open, by the way, is that the first time you've ever like sat through a whole open before the show? I saw you pop in right as I was coming on the air. Oh, I loved it, man. I was rocking the bumper music and everything. I wrote a few songs to some of it. <laughs> yeah, great. Got some lyrics. All right, we'll, we'll preview those. Maybe you can be the lead-in for uh, end of the month for uh, American Idol Barbecue Central show version. Yeah, you'll have, you'll have to give me some time. I'll have to jot all that down. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, let me ask you this before uh, we start talking about competition. You know, in the open, I had a guy email me and said his friend was parboiling chicken. Now, I know that back in the day, parboiling was a thing, and maybe for certain things even today, that might be an option. I don't ever see where that's an option. And as I had recounted a story of my in-laws uh, patenting the triple cook method, well, part one is is the boiling of the meat. And I've learned that that takes all the fat out of it. You're taking the fat. That means you're taking the flavor. And it's certainly not tenderizing anything, per se, depending on how you do it. So do you have any thoughts about uh, parboiling? I've, I've seen it before. You know, that was a big thing back, you know, people would do these big rib cook calls for holidays and they would cut the ribs up into pieces and parboil them. And then you could pretty much char grill them over, you know, just over charcoal on a, on a cheap grill and then add sauce on them at the end. But I think it does two things, Greg, it, it kind of speeds up the cooking process for some people. It, it cooks the meat to where it's edible. Um, is it barbecue and is it good? I would say no. Uh, I know what they're talking about when they're doing the chicken too, because it, what, what it's doing, there's a technique where you can, you know, put boiling water on chicken. It'll, it'll render the fat out and then it'll make it to where you can get that skin crispy. Um, you know, it's, 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 I would say more that kins to like an Asian technique for cooking duck. You, you see, you see those guys do, uh, you know, whole Peking ducks where they scald them with boiling water to kind of melt that thick fat and then they can poke holes in the skin. And then when they roast it, the skin gets real crispy. Um, do it, does it belong in barbecue? I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess to each his own. Yeah, no doubt about it. Malcolm Reed joining me here on the show. Out of Barbecue Right is the website, howtobbqright.com, and then obviously on the YouTube. So subscribe if you're not one of the already 912,000 YouTube subscribers, uh, as I checked just before we hit the air here this evening. So uh, getting close to a million here. Do you have uh, celebration plans for a million, Malcolm? Oh, man. You know, I need to start thinking about that, Greg, because I don't. <laughs> What's going to happen, man? <laughs> we, had, we, <laughs> we, had, uh, we had a thing uh, We had a thing going on with Michael where he, we let him pick a place to go on vacation, and we told him he wants to go to Hawaii. So we told him once we hit a million subscribers that we would take a family vacation to Hawaii. But – that was pre pre Corona, so my travel plans have changed. So we may have to come up with something else. Yeah, well, speaking, <laughs> if I can drive there, I may go. Well, yeah, well, you ain't driving to Hawaii. I can guarantee that. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Now, speaking of traveling, as you had mentioned, you know, May, Memphis in May. This is one of your uh, bigger contests that you're always looking for. I mean, you're kind of close to it, and you've uh, you've done very well at Memphis in May in the past, and it's just a contest that you like doing it because there's so much pageantry and all of the big names are there. It's certainly a contest that, from a pitmaster standpoint, you want to mark it off the list as one that you've won before you put out the fire for good. What do you like most about Memphis in May, and what's most disappointing that it's postponed, uh, I mean, what is it, September now uh, for the next potential date or something like that? Yeah, it's it, it's like, I guess, the end of September is what they pushed it to if yeah. we get to have it. But 
you know, Memphis and May is special to us because it's in my backyard and it was always the Super Bowl of pork. And that's what, you know, I grew up when I was coming up and cooking barbecue. Everything was based on getting to that Mecca, that, that Memphis and May barbecue contest. It was always the top of the hill um, for what we were concerned where I'm from here in the Mid-South. And so it's a special thing to us. I mean, it kind of kicks off our barbecue season now because, it, you know, we do a few contests in March and April, but May is when it really starts. And then we keep cooking all summer long and then into the fall. But, I mean, it means, you know, it means so much to Memphis as a city and as a region and as a barbecue uh, capital that, you know, when, when we talk about canceling or moving the date, it's just not the same thing. So, it, you know, it's, it's a sad situation, but it's something we're all going to face. And, and hopefully we'll get to have it in the fall and it, it'll be a good time. It'll just be Memphis in October, I guess. Yeah, or, or whenever it's going to be. Did you have plans to do more competitions regardless of, of where they were at or what sanctioning body uh, than you had planned in years past, or was it going to be roughly the same? Well, you know, we were going to add uh, several more contests this year. Cause I, as you know, I've talked about here on the show for a while. We bought, I bought a new barbecue trailer. I've been excited about that. I picked it up right before this lockdown happened, and I haven't, haven't got to spend a night in it yet. It's still parked. Um, you know, I was – my whole thing with barbecue competition, barbecue this year was I was going to mix it up, but I was going to go back to basics and have a lot of fun with it. Just go because uh, I like the camaraderie and I like being there and I was going to just go back to keeping things simple and, and let the judges, you know, just place us where we place. I wasn't going to get too caught up in results and chasing points and all that. It was going to be for fun. Uh, but those plans have changed. I mean, I still hope to get back out there this year. I hope we get to have somewhat of a competition schedule, but, you know, I, I just know that uh, right now it's not looking good. I mean, what's your gut telling you, Malcolm? I mean, you talk to a lot of the top pit masters out there week to week. I'm sure people are contacting you asking your thoughts, given the state of where we're at in the country right now and how we are or maybe aren't reopening, depending on state and governor and perhaps even county that you're in. Do you think that there will be some semblance of a competition season, however a bridge that's going to be? I think I think we'll see some. Um, is it going to be of the scale that we're used to in the, in the large contest? I don't know, Greg. Um, it's it's more of a liability issue when you start talking about some of these, um, you know, large contests, fifty plus teams. But uh, we're starting to hear rumors of of contests, you know, smaller contests happening. You know, I know of a actually there's a contest over in in North Alabama. It's going to be a state contest where they switched to what uh, switched around the way things are going to be done. And they're actually going to have a contest here in a week or so. Uh, I've got friends telling me that they're going. You know, I'm I'm not jumping in yet, just yet. Um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to let everybody else test the water and see how things go before I come out of my quarantine. But we've got to get back to it some kind of way. We really do. You know, things can't stay locked down like they are. We you know we need we need as a country to heal and to get over this. And you know, and, and it's you know. It's, it's uncharted waters for all of us. We really don't know what's going on and you know what, what you see out in the media. It's, you know, it's different times. Is the state cook off something where they're going to uh, allow for distance, uh, whether it be for team and for judges there in the tent? So this is, you know, you didn't hear this from me, but what I'm hearing is <laughs> that, you know, the state selection is only going to be one team member. They're going to have to have gloves and mask and all that. They're going to do the, uh, you know, I guess the whole cooks meeting from a megaphone and everybody's going to stay in their own site separated <laughs> out. And 
I don't know how they're going to do turn-ins and, and awards and stuff, but you know, there's there's ways that we can get back to somewhat of normal, you know, a, a normalcy to everything we're doing. We're just going to have to change, and I think you will see a lot of change. When we talk about steak, Malcolm, it's been a rather large topic on the show here, going on a month now. Um, Meathead had t- well, I guess it stumbled back to Jess Pryles doing a video on her opinion on resting steak versus like not resting steak per se and uh, what she thinks produces a better product. I talked about it with Meathead uh, the following week, and that had been a topic we had discussed with him uh, probably years ago when he had published his own opinion on resting. Here's the one thing that we know, uh, or, or the one thing that I've come to learn here as we have refired this topic. There's no definitive scientific periodical or study or anything that has been done. So it is purely opinion, depending on who you talk to. But really, that's the best part of the show, right? I mean, we love everybody's opinion. And if you can um, argue your opinion a little bit more passionately, then maybe it holds a little bit more water with somebody who doesn't argue as passionately. So certainly with Jess and Meathead, you have a passionate folks on either side of the argument here what how do you fall out on resting stakes i mean to me it's a no-brainer they're definitely better when you let them set five ten minutes i've took a steak right off the grill cut into it the juices run out is it i mean is it good yeah it's okay but when you let those juices calm down this this goes for us in competition cooking too it's a different steak after you let it sit a little while it does go up. I've, I've put thermometers in them and watched them. You see a gain in, in temperature. Then you see a leveling out. Then you see a slow drop. So it's it's there. Um, you know, that's one of those things. Try it for yourself, man. Uh, I, I, I'm a firm believer that you need to rest for at least five, ten minutes. So is it a tenderness thing for you on the rest? Is it a juiciness thing for you? Is it both? It's definitely juiciness. I don't think you're going to change the tenors at all. The tenors, I mean, the, the mouthfeel of the meat is going to stay the same. But it has to do with the way that the meat juice runs out when you first cut a piece of meat. And you can see it evident every single time you take something off a hot grill or out of the oven or out of the fryer if you're frying something. You cut into it immediately. All the liquid in it just run, it pours out. But once you let it set and stop, and then you let that meat calm down and start to cool a little bit, you cut into it, you don't lose near the moisture. And it, I mean, it's evident on the cutting board. So the argument or, or the devil's advocate here on this side is, well, I want to have my steak hot. If I cut into it right away and some of the juice spills out, I'm just going to take that piece of meat that's on my fork, work it around like a mop, stick it in my mouth, and away we go. Um, you would still rather have... So, I mean, what do you end up eating? Uh, A little less than hot, but a little bit better than lukewarm? Now, I mean, I would say that it's still hot. I'm not saying let it cool off to where it's room temperature even. It's still really, you know, a really warm piece of meat. It's just not screaming hot off the grill. Um, Meat doesn't cool off that fast. When you stick a steak on the cutting board, if you take a steak to – 130 degrees, like we take them for a steak contest. You put it off the grill on a cutting board, put it, th- leave a thermometer in it. It's going to go to 135 to 137 every single time under normal ambient conditions. I'm not talking about frigid temps. And then it's going to take it another 10, 15 minutes to drop back down below 125. 
So you're still eating a hot piece of meat, you know. It's not losing that much. It's not like you're eating it, you know, a room temp two hours later. And the bigger the piece of meat, the more heat it's going to retain. So, you know, steak, yeah, it'll lose some, but it's going to take it a while. I mean, it's it, it, you're not losing that much to where you can say, oh, that's not a hot, tasty piece of meat. But I'm a sopper, too, so I know what you're talking about, <laughs> sopping up all that meat juice, man. Yeah, we don't want to I'm let that go. That. No doubt about it. Malcolm Reed joining <laughs> me here on the show, how to bbqright.com's website. Malcolm, let's change it up here just a little bit. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, and a lot of the folks that are in here, uh, even if it's an intermediate, obviously through expert, everybody's done pork butts or pulled pork. I know that was something that you've just recently done in one of the past videos here over the last week or so. But for the folks that are just coming in, finding the show, maybe they're just finding your channel or they're finding us both at the same time. I mean, who knows how they find us anymore. Pulled pork is really a barbecue classic, but it's really... A simple dish, it might seem a little intimidating, certainly not as intimidating as brisket can be, and the yield is great, and you can use it for days on end in various ways. It doesn't always have to be pulled pork sandwiches, but let's start from the beginning. Like, How do you uh, go into the store and choose a pork bud and prep it up before you start the cook? Well, you know, you can find pork butt at just about any grocery store now. They're going to have it. You're either going to find the pork butt, which is the upper part of a, pork, a pig's shoulder, or you're going to find the picnic roast, which is the lower part. Both of them make excellent pulled pork. You can't go wrong. I like the pork butt myself because there's more meat versus bone and versus skin. Yep. It yields more. But um, that's, that's the first thing to know what you're looking for. A pork butt, pork butt roast, pork shoulder, upper roast. There's several names for it, but, you know, Boston butt. But look for a pork butt. Um, the the number one problem I see where people mess up cooking a pork butt is they don't cook it long enough, Greg. You have to take a, a big roast like this to upwards of 200 degrees internal. Mm. Now, there's a whole lot of ways to get it there, but most of them that I found the easiest way to tell people is to start it out low and slow and give yourself plenty of time. You can season one with whatever you want. Simple salt is great. You can put any kind of barbecue rub on it. You can inject it, but you want to get it on a pit that's running about 225 to 250 degrees. That's the low and slow range. It's going to take about eight to 10 hours to get that butt completely done, and you don't want to try to speed it up. So we're going to season that butt. We're going to get it on that pit between 220, 225, and we're going to cook it four to five hours first to get some color, some smoke, some bark on the outside. And then I'm going to wrap it up in foil, butcher paper, a pan with the lid that's mm. tight that holds it. What we're doing now is we're tenderizing that butt. And then we're going to put a thermometer in it while we're doing that so we can watch those internals. And we're just going to maintain those temps, Greg, until it hits close to 200. And then you're done. I mean, it's that easy. Pork butt is one of the easiest things to make pulled pork. Everybody should know how to do it. It's very basic and it's very good. How do you like to do a classic pulled pork sandwich? What goes on yours? Where I'm from, you got to have uh, pulled, not chopped pull, uh, pork. You got to pull it by hand. You need a good jumbo bun. You need a coleslaw. You need some barbecue sauce, and that's it. That's all you need. Is it? Um, is it a vinegar I slaw? Like a vinegar, I like a vinegar sauce. Right. I'm a vinegar sauce man. Yep. That's that's kind of the way I like it. Um, you know, if you like a traditional, you know, sweet Kansas City style sauce or whatever, that's fine. But that gets drizzled on the pork. The coleslaw goes on top, and I'm talking a creamy coleslaw. Yep. 
and then the top bun, and it's just simple perfection, man. I don't know how many, plenty of years had gone by where I wouldn't even feature coleslaw ever. And it would be on, you know, family picnics just as a side. And I was like, we never had barbecue where I was from. And then when I started getting into it, I went to a restaurant and they didn't even ask. It was just pulled pork. Boom. Coleslaw was on there. And I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? I don't want to tell the guy I don't want it. So I ate it and it was like a life-changing event for me. Ever then, ever since then, it's always been creamy coleslaw on top of pulled pork my own homemade barbecue sauce, which floats somewhere between vinegar and Kansas City. It's certainly thinner than a traditional Kansas City and and not nearly as sweet. I like a little bit more vinegar, but I agree. And then, you know, uh, the next day it's carnita tacos. And then the next day it's heart attack baked potatoes, as I call it, where you put pulled pork on top of baked potato, maybe some barbecue sauce, cheese, sour cream. Uh, I mean, it's just an endless amount of things that you can do. Oh, by the way, you can freeze it and keep it for the next time too, right? Man, it's it's versatile. We, you know, it, it does freeze well. Pull port reheats very well. You can keep it in a ziploc bag and reheat it in that ziploc bag, and it's, and it's almost as good as the day you cooked it. And Greg, if you haven't tried barbecue spaghetti, I know you mentioned a lot of si- a lot of different dishes with yes. it, but barbecue spaghetti with pulled pork is amazing, man. It's a Memphis thing. Yeah, I've uh, yet to have it, but I, I always hear about it, and then I never think to go back and get it. So, is that on your website, Malcolm? Barbecue spaghetti. I have a version of it. I didn't invent it. I mean, that was something that's been around a long time. I think the legend is it was it was made in a barbecue restaurant in Memphis because the owner wanted to do something besides coleslaw and beans. Hmm. So he come up with a way to have another side on his menu that was different. Turned it into spaghetti. So nice. and, it, and it works, man. It's really good. No doubt. Uh, this is Malcolm Reed, and you can find him here. On the first Tuesday of every month, hit up his website, howtobbqwright.com, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Malcolm, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks so much. Thank you, Greg. Look forward to next month, man. Have a good one. All right, we'll see you in June. There he is, Malcolm Reed, right there. And we're always having fun with Malcolm, no doubt. Barbecue spaghetti. Anybody had barbecue spaghetti in the chat? I've thought about that. I wouldn't mind that, I don't think. I think I would love it. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grill, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. They have two different lines for you to choose from. Choice line and prime line. Choice line is uh, a little bit more of a uh, price-sensitive model, if you will. So what you're going to do is get a really great cooker, number one, and then you don't need all the tech, right? Of course. So you're going to go choice line. Now, if you want something that's got more tech, if you want something that is a little bit more uh, heartily built on the chassis, prime line, right? Well, now you get the Wi-Fi. Now you have two internal meat probes. Now you have the ability to look in through the peek-in window in the main cooking chamber, also the pellet hopper. Whatever way you want to go, you can't go wrong with the cooker. They sell through distributors only or dealers. They teach their dealers. The dealers teach you. That makes sure that you know exactly what you're doing when you get it home so you're feeling very good and confident about yourself to execute cooks right off the bat. It's not going to go bad. We don't like that. We don't want buyer's remorse here at Green Mountain Grills. We want everybody to be happy. Have any questions, check out all their videos, greenmountaingrills.com, right on their website, also on YouTube. 
And you can find out where all their dealers are by visiting that website as well. GreenMountainGrills.com. Also, accessories, sauces, and rubs. Don't forget about that pizza oven insert if you get the Jim Bowie or the Daniel Boone. And we are back with Darren Worth from Iowa's Smoky D's. Stick around. We'll be right back. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion of the show being brought to you by cookingpellets.com. Speaking of a pellet-driven cooker like GMG, if you're not going to buy their pellets, buy Cooking Pellets. C-O-O-K-I-N, cookingpellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. You can buy, of course, from cookingpellets.com, or if you would rather, Amazon.com is buying as well. Or selling, I should say. My next guest, a successful barbecue restaurant owner, and aside from uh, Memphis in May, has won all of the major barbecue contests available. Today, we head to the hotline and welcome in a guy who is working like no other... The pitmaster of Iowa Smoky D's, owner of Smoky D's Restaurant, Darren Worth. Hey, Darren. Hey, how's it going, Greg? Well, I'm doing fine. And how is one Darren Worth uh, struggling through this uh, time of where you are probably you know busier than you've been in recent memory, right? <laughs> I've been busier. I-, I tell you what, I told somebody today, I'd, I'd rather open four restaurants at once than go through what we go through on a daily basis. So take us a day in the life of, of what it's like for you guys right now. Well, you know, I mean, it starts out early. We, we, we've kind of laid off a lot of staff, so we're running with about a staff of 30. So, you know, my day starts off at 4.30 in the morning, and I head to the restaurant by 5.30, and I'm putting ribs on the smoker, and, you know, I'm doing whatever I can to help prep in the kitchen to get started off. And, you know, now most of my time we just implemented a new a POS system uh, point of sale system in the restaurant yesterday we went live, which a great time to do it, but you know, it, it had to get done. So, you know, it's just crazy. It's just all day long is I feel like I'm a consultant to my own business, you know, just looking at processes and constantly trying to figure out how to make it for more efficient and easier for the employees and better for the customers. Are you seeing any of this meat shortage that we were warned about about a week ago they were saying by the end of this past week that we were going to be seeing meat shortages is it affecting you at all well it's it's not really affecting me i've i've heard a little bit you know people are talking about it we've got some pretty good partners um that we've locked into this contract with so you know we're pretty protected um at this point and and they've made some nice moves for us they'll say hey there's you know 50 cases of pork coming in on Tuesday, put in an order for 25 of those on Monday afternoon. And so then it comes through. So they've, they've really taken uh, care of us on that side. You know, we've moved, you know, some of it's not what we want. We've, you know, briskets we've had to, and we cook brisket flats and points and we've been cooking frozen brisket points for a long time. And about two months ago, we had to go to brisket frozen flats, but you know, we're able to thaw them out, but we're getting a nice quality, you know, upper choice or even prime a lot of time flat coming through. And we've been able to hold the price steady. Um, unlike some people that are, 
not tied in or don't have any contracts. I mean, they're seeing those prices go through the roof. We're kind of, you know, we're still paying the same that we were paying two or three months ago. So we're in pretty good shape there. Porks went up a little bit. Um, but overall, you know, beef and ribs were locked in. So we've been in pretty good shape. From a revenues perspective, I'm not looking for anything specific, obviously, but how have the last couple of months uh, compared to a traditional, you know, month or, or two, depending on whatever time of the year we're at at Smokey D's restaurant? Well, I mean, we're running about 50% of our normal revenue volume. Mm. Now, you know, 50% understanding that normally 30% of that business is catering um, that's going out the back door. So, I mean, relatively well, we are, we're actually killing it uh, when it comes to um, pickup. The only problem that we have is we can process it down our line fast enough. We just can't get it expedited out to the customer fast enough without gathering a big crowd. So that's what we're constantly trying to get more efficient and how we get, I mean, we're turning away business every single day and we're lucky that we're that way. But, um, you know, chances are, if you call at five thirty at night, you're not going to be able to, you know, and call it an order, you know, we're sold out for the rest of the day. I mean, you can still walk in and you might wait 20, 30 minutes to get it done, but we're filling everything in time slots, trying to, you know, we're trying to process, um, seven or eight orders every 15 minutes. And then we're trying to add on five or six walk-ins on top of that. So, you know, we're, we're churning out an order at least once every minute, if not more. Wow. Uh, Darren Worth from Iowa Smokey D's joining me here on the show. Smokey D's BBQ.com is the website. If you're up in that neck of the woods and, uh, you want to put in a time slot order, do that. Why not help out Darren and everybody over there? As we get through this time, uh, outside of the business, Darren, how's grandparenting life treating you? Oh man, there, there is. Everybody always told me it would change my life, and I kind of discounted that a little bit. Um, you talk about change your life. I mean, just, just crazy, you know. And we've been so busy at the restaurant. I really only get to see the guy, you know, maybe once a week, maybe twice if I'm lucky. Actually. You know, tomorrow morning, I haven't seen him all week long, and tomorrow morning's my, I'm going to go to breakfast, sneak out for breakfast at 7 a.m. and go take breakfast to my daughter and get to spend a half hour with him tomorrow morning. So kind of excited about that. It just brings a fresh joy to our life that nothing else matters, no matter how bad your day goes. When you see the picture of the old Griffin man, it, it just brings you right back. You know, for me, it's it's weird because uh, you know I'm sure you're not marking time like I would like to think everybody does. But you've been coming on this show at least for 11 years, and I remember wow. when we did the big uh, brisket roundtable with you and Rod, Steve Farron, when you guys were all chasing Team of the Year back then. It, it never occurred to me all the way back then that I would be talking to anybody other than. Darren Worth, that pitmaster guy, and now it's Darren Worth, that pitmaster guy, but also life changes, life evolves, we all get older, and now he's a grandfather because guess what? We're all getting older year after year, so uh, evolution of life and, and a whole other achievement. Uh, grandparenting has to be better than any GC that you've knocked down so far, right? Oh, oh just <laughs> just just amazing. And it, it, I tell you what, it's just going to get better and better. I mean, he is, he is just... I mean, he just, I don't know. It's just something about he just, his many expressions. He's got a hundred expressions and he'll show them all in, in a matter of 30 seconds, you know? So 
he gets a little, when he comes over to our house at night, he gets a little grumpy. So that's why I do breakfast visits now <laughs> instead of night visits, because he seems to get a little more cranky when he comes to visit Papa and Mimi. Um, so, you know, we, we just go over at breakfast time and that's, he's happy as can be. He's a morning right. kid, just get, like me. Get him when he's happy. No doubt about it. Now, tomorrow, Darren, we're going to be unveiling exclusively here on this show, as we like to do. The nine semifinalists for the 2020 Barbecue Hall of Fame. That class, of course, will be introduced in three weeks' time after that on the 27th. Do you give any thought to getting into the Barbecue Hall of Fame? Is that something that uh, you, uh, I guess, everybody would like to have it happen, I guess, if you're in the industry. But if it didn't happen, would you even think twice about it? No, I'm, I'm not old enough to be there. You're not old enough you know, to be I mean, there. Chris it, it, Lilly's in I, there. I, I, I don't think I'm old <laughs> enough to be there. I can, you know, you know, the one thing about the Barbecue Hall of Fame, and I love the program, and I love everything that's happened. Um, the only, the only issue that I have is, you know, there's people on the inside, and all, you know, that have have changed this sport forever, but maybe not in the public eye. You know, for instance, old Dave, old Dave Stamper out of Indiana. I guarantee Dave has taught more people how to barbecue than anybody else, but nobody's really ever heard of it. The old timers know of him, uh, but but there's guys like that, that their heart and soul was just into teaching. And it wasn't about classes and causing money. It was like, Hey, come over here. I'll show you what to do for years and years and years. So I'd like to figure out some of that spirit. I mean, I think, you know, I think Bill Arnold should have been there a long time ago. Um, you know, he's one of the guys that's the most deserving. I mean, think about blues hog, think about blues hog and competition barbecue. Mm -hmm. I mean, has there been any other product that's had such a profound effect on competition barbecue as blues hog? Yeah, no doubt. about. I mean, I think you, you say competition barbecue and the mind just kind of immediately goes to blues hog or uh, many of the other attempts at blues hog uh, that are probably carrying a different label i mean it's certainly a, a brand and a flavor that has gone on for when was the first time you used it or, or even heard about it oh i mean it, it was it was years ago i mean I, bill arnold used to deliver it to me um in the back of his truck and it, it was funny he would he would show up and he'd run these routes and he'd stop up here at tnt landscaping uh hog eyes barbecue yep. in ankeny you know and He'd show up and, and the cases would be all wet in the back of his truck from raining. And he was, he was making that sauce in his kitchen, you know, and, and we would, he would make it specially for us. Even as early as 2003, 2004, you know, we weren't, we weren't getting something that was made in a factory. We were getting something that was made in Bill's kitchen. And that happened for years, um, you know, until it got so popular and things. So, um, yeah, been around a long time. There, there's things like that, like smoking guns, barbecue. You know, Phil was a great mentor of mine. He, he's another one that should be on that list yep. about how he's changed. He was he was my original mentor in the restaurant business and in the competition world. So, um, you know, and it, Phil and I are truly good friends and, and usually talk at least every other week, um, if not via text, about what's going on. So. Well, those seem to be the the pinnacle products. Or it was uh, smoking guns hot. It was blues hog. I think Simran Doc was was in there as yep. well. Like those head were country. the the pioneers, right? Yeah, head country as well. Yep, yep. He head country. Yeah, I, I always tell people, 
you know, today's rubs, um, you know, kind of, they all have the same thing. I mean, there's not much, those were the original. And I think, you know, and I've taken a little bit back to using some of those, you know, and there's certain things like, you know, smoking guns hot that, you know, they've, they've made a little change and they made it because of me. Cause we actually use that rub in our restaurant and we buy it pallets at a time. Oh, wow. And we had a, you know, we had a deal that customers kept talking to us about MSG and, and how bad MSG was and certain things. And I kind of caved into the pressure and said, Hey, Phil, can you make me, <laughs> make me a batch of smoking guns hot with no MSG and they had to kind of reformulate it a little bit. And then Phil thought it was a pretty good idea, um, of his, uh, for himself to just kind of switch over that whole label. Well, what he didn't realize that it, it was a detriment to a lot of barbecue cooks, yeah. um, without having the MSG, but you know, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to announce, but I have the first box of the new smoking guns, hot Ooh. original formula sitting nice. in my car right now. All right. Well, we'll, uh, anxiously await your social media review. Once you get your tongue on that, no doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, obviously you guys would be, you know, pretty far into a competition season at this point, or at least getting your feet wet. What do you miss most about competition? Is it merely the camaraderie and seeing those old friends and, uh, getting to those contests that you really like, whether they're big or not? Yeah, it's, it, well, first, it's the people, you know, just hanging out with the people. Um, second of all, it's the food. You know, I mean, it just, you know, almost brings tears to my eyes that we weren't able to go to Hammond, Louisiana, and Pensacola, Florida, and kind of do that annual trip we always do and yep. just eat our way along the coastline and seafood and get a you know, stop in and see our good buddy Kevin Green down at the butcher shop. Even though I don't really buy his stuff, he's still a great friend of mine. Um, and we just we just have a good time. And we always stop there. And there's, you know, going down to, to Ronnie's Boudin and seeing Brad and getting some Boudin and Cracklins and, and just everything about it. I mean, it's just, it's tough. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, I really haven't had time to even think about competition barbecue today was kind of the first day that I really sat down for a second and say, wow, where did that go? Yeah. You know, where, where do we go from here? Because I haven't even looked at a schedule. Truthfully, I mean, I know it's going to be a very compacted schedule. I think it's going to be like a NASCAR race right at the end that we're going to be going every weekend strong in August, September, all the way through the end of the year. Outside of the competition, it appears you might have filled some of that hobby with uh, collecting bourbon bottles. Do you like, uh, well, A, what's more expensive, uh, barbecue competitions or bourbon on scale? Well, I, I, I guess I'm not sure. I've never, <laughs> I've never got a check back from a bottle of bourbon. Um, but, but, but it is kind of fun. You know, I was just kind of always a Crown Royal Canadian whiskey drinker. Yep. yep. And then I kind of moved up to Basil Hayden, which was kind of a step up. And then I got involved that damn Robert Lerma, you know, got me involved in the smoke and mash Facebook page, oh. which just constantly is a bunch of bourbon snobs. I call them snobs. They're not really snobs, but about, Hey, have you tried this? Have you tried this? So now it's like, where's the elusive bottle of bourbon? Actually last weekend, Sherry says, let's go out and take a drive. So we went and drove a hundred miles and, stopped at every small town liquor store we could find collecting bottles of bourbon. Mm. And that was her idea. 
but I, I just love to get a new bottle and get it home. And, you know, once a night I'll try and crack one, um, you know, a different bottle every night and try it and say, wow, that's good. If it's really good, then the next night I might go back to it. But hmm. yeah, this is not good on my liver, this COVID thing. I, I've never drank at home. Well, my and my now I, now I kind of have to do it once or twice a night. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to keep the palate sharp. From a collections standpoint, you're not going out. It's not like baseball cards. You're going to at least open every single one that you get and try it, or not necessarily. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, you know, whiskey's for drinking, bourbon's for drinking. You know, so I mean, there's certain things. You know, I've got a. I've got a $600 bottle of um, bourbon in there, and Jeff Vandalindy was down. This is before this all happened, and so we were supposed to save it for a special occasion until we got drunk. And he says, open that bottle up. And I said, okay, let's do it, whatever. And <laughs> so now every once in a while I go back and have a little have a little nip of it. But um, other than that, it's just fun. You know, I opened a new bottle tonight, just having me a, a Rittenhouse rye old-fashioned yeah. What's uh oh uh, old fa- well you know so here's what I would suggest well let me let me ask I don't want to nerd out because I don't really drink anymore have you ever had a Sazerac I have not I've seen that I've passed over yeah. that bottle ten times well okay so there's Sazerac bourbon but then there is a drink called the Sazerac and the Sazerac is widely reputed to be the first cocktail ever invented in the country. And uh, I believe cocktail is defined as uh, any combination of water, sugar, and spirits and bitters. So if you don't like the black licorice flavor, then I would say Sazerac is going to be a loser. But it's almost like you're making it old-fashioned, except you are using some of that. uh, Oh, now I'm going to forget what the hell that stuff. What's the stuff that was supposed to make you blind and it was outlawed forever? Um uh, wormwood stuff. What the hell do you call that stuff? Uh, God, I don't damn. know. Evidently, I wasn't interested. Yeah, it, 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 make me blind. It, it sounds it sounds really bad, but uh, I can't think of it right off. Oh, absinthe is the name of it. That's right. Thanks, Doc. Uh, uh, so okay. you, you okay. just kind of yeah, never heard never heard of it. So you you build it, you know, typically except you're using Peychaud bitters instead of Angostura bitters. You're going to use a rye whiskey instead of your traditional, or I'm sorry, rye bourbon instead of your uh, traditional bourbon. And then, uh, you know, the sugar cubes as well. But then you rinse the glass with this absinthe, and that's what gives it a little bit of that black licorice flavor. And then finish it with a twist of lime and float it on the top, uh, served neat. Uh, I mean, it's super good. And to me, when I was drinking, it was a lot of history and a lot of chemistry. And making the drink was almost more romantic than actually consuming it. Certainly consuming it was really good, too. But I Loved learning about how to make it and the history of all those drinks. So, long way to go to say if you haven't tried a Sazerac and you're a fan of uh, of the old fashions, it's certainly worth trying once, especially since you probably have a decent roundup of uh, rye bourbons on hand. Yeah, I, I always stayed away from the rye. And, and by the way, Luke Darnell just texted me and said, absent. Yeah. You know, so so he's listening out there. Hey, good. Hi, Luke. Hi, Luke. The sauce recipe for tonight's pork chop. But. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, I, we're, we're into anything. Usually, I mean, what's crazy is I never liked anything sweet in a drink. So my drink was whiskey or bourbon on the rocks. Yep. That was it, you know, and now I started making these old fashions and I know I don't make them necessarily the way the purists do, 
you know, because I put my own little spin. So instead of using a sugar cube or the amateurs put simple syrup in, I actually make my own brown sugar simple syrup. Look at you. Just a little twist off the barbecue circuit. That's Always right. got brown sugar around. Right. Never have, an, and I can't afford a muddler. I'm not even sure where you find one of those. So, you know, I'm not that fancy. But but I do flame my orange peels. I'm not sure if that makes me. Uh, yeah, look that know. that that borders you on nerd because that's heating up the peel and allows you to express even more essential oils out, really bringing out that flavor. So. You're not too much of a of a rube there, Darren. I mean, you are bordering on nerd, no doubt about it. Uh, Darren Worth joining me here on the show. He is at iowasmokeydees.com and anxiously awaiting the start of the competition season, whenever that might start. Darren, always appreciate the time, my friend. Continued success. I know you got an early bell, so I appreciate you spending a couple minutes. Hey, sounds good. Boys enjoy, Greg. All right. Thanks, Darren. There he is. Darren Worth from Iowa Smoky D's right there. <laughs> Old-fashioned fan, which is great. I was once a large old-fashioned fan. Loved it. Maybe loved it too much. Let me dump Skype here as we get ready to head to the second hour. Uh, SmokeyDsBBQ.com, S-M-O-K-E-Y. SmokeyDsDSBBQ.com. And we're back to wrap up the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via Bluetooth if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant at home. You're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. I did put a message out to Ted Conrad and said, Hey, what are thine chances of coming up with the fire? So using the fireboard board, but instead of having the wire leads, getting wireless fireboard internals. They have to be working on that. I am 100% convinced that that is something that's in the work. You get something that is going to be like uh, that meter that was ripping everybody off here for years on end, the meter. If Fireboard could come out with something like that that uses their existing board, now we have... I mean, the Fireboard is already a knockout. But you come up with wireless probes for that fireboard we are on board now it will take over the market all right we are getting ready to wrap up our number one we'll go to our number two here in just a second where of course we'll be leading off with the american idol results barbecue central show edition who's gonna make it through and who's not we're gonna find out here in just a few minutes you stick around and i and put my picture up there. Sorry. You stick around and we'll all find out together here in just a few short minutes.
You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network.